ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. And the science and understanding of pain has changed really quite dramatically in the last 10 to 15 years. But that knowledge is slow to permeate into both the consumer minds as well as the medical minds. You know, most clinicians, most physicians are trained in pain science from the 1960s. And the therapies that are available haven't really changed much, really almost since the dawn of man. I mean, most of the drug approaches are not much different than what we pursued as cavemen, drinking alcohol or taking opium. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 208 with Brendan Lundberg. I think you're going to really love this interview. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn why chronic pain is like credit card debt, what scrambler therapy is, and how it can be used to create as much as an 80% reduction in pain for chronic pain sufferers. Thanks, Aurora, and be sure to listen all the way to the end of the show for the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. This past week we've had listeners from Mexico to Norway and from Switzerland to Singapore. Also, we always have to say a big thank you to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. We really, really, really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lyme Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. Speaking of tuning in, dun, 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 dun. this week's top 10 tune-in cities are... Number 10, Sarasota, Florida. Number 9, Everett, Washington. Number 8, Hermitage, Tennessee. Number 7, Austin, Texas. Number 6, Waterloo, Canada. Number 5, Ottawa, Canada. Number 4, Aberdeen in Scotland or the UK, whatever you prefer. Scotland forever. (laughs) Number three, San Francisco, California. Number two, Tacoma, Washington. And number one, Hollywood, Florida. (laughs) There's a Hollywood, Maryland, too. A little teeny tiny crossroad where I grew up in outside of Oxon Hill. There are Hollywoods everywhere. Indeed there are. I guess so. 
do you know your Lyme score? If not, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Yes. There is no response. <laughs> Dad, you're so full of useful information. How about that? Sure. Dad, you're so full of useful information. You're so full like, of useful information. <laughs> like the locations of Hollywood's. Do you know your Lyme score? If not, do yourself a favor, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. And that would be useful information. Okay, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Brendan Lundberg. Brendan Lundberg is the president of Radiant Pain Relief. He co-founded Radiant Pain Relief with the vision to build the safest, most consistently effective pain relief tool. And now they plan to continue growing and bring pain relief all across the country. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Brendan Lundberg. Hello, Brendan. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, McKay. Great to join you today. Yes, thanks for getting up early in the morning. <laughs> well, I'm an early morning riser. It's about 6.30 <laughs> in the morning here in Portland, Oregon, but I've already been awake for an hour and a half or so. Oh, my goodness. You really are an early riser. So being up, we're kind of up north where you are too, and the, the sun has been getting up later and later. And so in the middle of summer, when the sun's up at like 5.15, 5.30, I'm up energetic. But now when it's kind of creeping up at 7.30, uh, the 5.30 just seems a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> That's awesome. So you have a new book out called Radiant Relief, and the subtitle is A Case for a better solution to chronic pain. Now, what led you to write this book? Well, my partners and I are building a business that we hope will change the way that chronic pain is understood and treated. And I'm happy to kind of talk about that. But that that business, um, due to the therapeutic aspect of it, we're building clinics uh, around some technology that's pretty remarkable, but we can't open clinics overnight. That takes time. And so we wrote the book to evangelize the message and hopefully educate and excite and inspire hope into too many people that are out there suffering and pursuing therapies that are sometimes ineffective and could be even risky, addictive, or dangerous. I mean, last year we had 72,000 people die of opioid overdoses. You know, in the United States, over 100 million Americans have chronic pain, which is more than cancer, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease combined. And the science and understanding of pain has changed really quite dramatically in the last 10 to 15 years. But that knowledge is slow to permeate into both the consumer mind as well as the medical mind. You know, most clinicians, most physicians are trained in pain science from the 1960s. And the therapies that are available haven't really changed much, really almost since the, the dawn of man. I mean, most of the drug approaches are not much different than what we pursued as cavemen, drinking alcohol or taking opium or something, you know. So it's definitely time for a safer solution. And the book is a, a message of hope and a message of understanding and kind of paints the picture of our vision for hopefully how we can change how pain is understood and treated. Now, as an entrepreneur, there's a whole universe of businesses available. And why chronic pain for you? Well, you know, I spent a couple of years, I've been in the gamut of different healthcare environments uh, throughout my career. I'm not a clinician, but I'm a business guy that's been in, in healthcare my entire career and really kind of my entire life. My dad was an administrator in hospitals and kind of grew up in healthcare. And I spent a couple of years with this technology trying to sell it to doctors and found that they didn't understand the science. And there was frankly an economic disadvantage to adopt it over what they were doing currently. And so 
um, I, I just really kind of initially saw a business opportunity that I thought was unmet and, you know, valuable to the market. But as I've been in it now for several years, it's certainly become much greater than any sort of economic return. In fact, we're not really making money. We're still, you know, trying to grow the company and expand and not really a significantly profitable venture at this point. It's really more of a labor of love. When you see people whose lives have been so dramatically disrupted because of pain and other diseases, but, you know, pain obviously is our focus. And to see them get restored back literally in a matter of weeks, back to a level of normalcy that they haven't experienced for many years, and then put onto a path of really remarkable restoration because they become less complicated as they need less medications and sleep improves and normal body movement and function improves and cognitive processing improves and they become much, much more themselves again. They're able to plug back into the life, into the things that bring them joy and connection and productivity. It's really pretty remarkable. So what has changed in the past years that opened up the new way of treating pain? Well, we now know that all pain is neurogenic or coming from the brain. Even though we experience it in the tissue, pain is is um, driven from the brain, and uh, and the tissue actually has no ability to even feel pain. It just has sensors that gather information. That information is transmitted through the nervous system. The brain interprets value to it and assigns value. Pain, a lot of pain, you know, no pain, cold, hot, whatever, whatever sensation it's it's assigning to it. And in the short term, pain is a protective function. You know, if you have your hand on the hot stove or if you've broken a bone uh, or sprained an ankle, feeling pain is there to say, hey, something's not right. Stop doing this. Avoid doing this. Take action. Learn from this. And then let the tissue heal. Like, it's let's, let's avoid doing more damage. But in chronic pain, it becomes much less clear as to why the body is hurting. It's almost inexplicable pain. And what happens is it's not really a cause, like a cause and effect relationship, a one-to-one type of relationship like we think pain is. And uh, in the book, I make the analogy that's really more of a better way to understand chronic pain is actually credit card debt. And if you have a credit card with a $3,000 limit and you start using that credit card to buy gas and groceries and routine things, you're accumulating charges. But as long as you're paying the bank the minimum payment every month, it works just fine. Until there's some sort of an event that puts you at your limit, some sort of tipping event that puts you at or above your limit, now, metaphorically, this is a painful experience. Let's say the car breaks down and you need to buy a new transmission. Well, that's a big bill. That's painful. But then you also have over-limit charges. And if you're relying upon that credit card to buy gas or groceries or some other you know, thing because you don't get paid for another week, then the impact of what that's costing you is made even more severe. And so chronic pain kind of works the same way. There's... You know, our nervous system's job is to keep us alive. And so it's recording at a deep kind of reptilian brain level all of the events that happen in our lives, probably from the time of in utero throughout life, that it perceives as some sort of threat to our ability to stay alive. So that's injuries and traumas and stresses and, you know, diseases and, you know, stressful environments and stressful circumstances. It's recording all of these things so that in the future, in similar situations, it would know how to respond and kind of hopefully get us out of that situation in a faster way. And the nervous system is always working. You know, the hierarchy of priority is our vision system. Second is our vestibular system, the the organs of our inner ear that keep us balanced and upright and agile in our environment. And then the third is proprioception, so our touching, feeling senses. And at some point, you know, those things are always working. They're always gathering information. And at some point, for, for some reason, 
there's some level of disconnect that happens. You know, there's an aggregation of these threat events on our nervous system. And if we aren't properly, you know, managing our health, it's possible that that, that threat kind of aggregates to the point where we come into this kind of, you know, limit threat type of situation. And the body is wanting us to take action, much like the action when you have, have your head on the hot stove. That's very clear. But in chronic pain, it's not really clear exactly why it's hurting. And so, you know, most people pursue therapies that are just addressing the tissue, which may or may not really be the problem. In fact, there's been studies that have shown a high percentage of, you know, the average person out there uh, has herniated disc and arthritis and a torn meniscus, but they don't know it because it doesn't really hurt. It doesn't bother them. And conversely, pain sufferers could be imaged under MRI or x-ray and not find a correlated presentation of tissue abnormality. So it's not really a one-to-one ratio. It's, again, it's an aggregation of many different factors that kind of play into this. And so when people are just addressing the tissue, it may or may not be resolving it. Or if they take a medication, which is so common, then many times they become more complicated because the medications inevitably begin to uh, disrupt digestion, disrupt cognitive functioning, disrupt uh, sleep, and, you know, weight gain. You know, it just becomes this um, kind of this cascade of decline that starts to happen after years or even decades of these types of approaches. And so, our, our therapy and our model is to use technology to retrain the brain and restore it back to a more normal perception of pain and get relief that becomes lasting without drugs, without needles, surgery, or side effects. Pretty remarkable. So are you, is it neurofeedback type thing? Well, it, we use a, um, a specific technology. It's not totally unlike neurofeedback, but it is different. Uh, it's an FDA clear technology, which is known in the medical literature as scrambler therapy. Uh, which has been researched at the Mayo Clinic and Johns Hopkins. And we're also in the process of developing new technology that we will own the patents on. And this technology basically acts like an artificial nerve. It generates a dynamic set of artificial nerve impulses that mimic endogenous or natural no-pain nerve signaling in the body. We attach electrodes on the skin in proximity to the pain, but in healthy tissue uh, that surrounds the, you know, the painful area. We kind of bracket it. We use we use basically dermatomes, which are surface level kind of nerve channels, essentially, to kind of guide the placement of where these, these electrodes are placed on the skin. And then we turn the device on. Uh, the device generates these artificial nerve impulses that transmit through what are called the C fibers of the nervous system, which are slower moving nerve channels where chronic pain is transmitted. That information is sent to the nervous system. The brain receives it, essentially interprets it as a natural self-message and begins to ease the, the pain experience in the body almost immediately. The messaging coming out of the device, the reason it's called scrambler therapy, is that the message is sent, it's scrambled and resent and scrambled and resent. So the brain, over the course of about 40 minutes, is flooded with a dynamic set of information. And because the messaging is changing, it's not static, but it's dynamic and changing, the brain has to work to interpret that. And that causes a neuroplastic change. So in, in chronic pain, again, as we mentioned, that the, the brain is recording all these different things. It's creating what we call neurotags or associations or neural wirings that associate uh, different experiences and different interpretations to, um, you know, to cause pain to be kind of a, a present experience in the body all the time. So through this processing, we're able to break up those neurotags, create new neural pathways, and essentially restore the brain and then the body back to a more normal perception of pain. As the pain expectation in the brain eases, the tissue then reacts to that and we see results that become really significantly better for almost all types of chronic pain and that become lasting rather than just temporarily masking. They become durable, durable relief for weeks or months or longer. 
And so we sell our therapy on an annual membership. So it's typically a daily session for the first few weeks. And that drives a significant reduction in pain. In fact, we average about an 84% reduction in pain, which is, I mean, that literally life-changing, life-saving for, for many of our clients. And then they'll need to come in periodically, in most cases, for periodic booster treatments, like a refresher course to reinforce that neuroplastic change that's taken place. And so on the annual membership, clients have access to it throughout the year as they need it. And, and it helps push the cost up over the year's time, making it much more accessible and affordable, even without insurance coverage. You're blowing my mind, which is kind of fun for <laughs> Tuesday morning. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's remarkable. And we, we give the first session for free because most of our clients, you know, they, they're hopeful, but, the, you know, they've been... They've tried everything. So often. Yeah, they've, they've tried, tried everything. everything. Yeah. Have a, I mean, we've had clients that have tried everything to the point where they've, after years uh, of, of failed approaches, have chosen to have a leg amputated, for example, just trying to have a better yeah. quality of life. and. Unfortunately, it just turns into phantom pain because it's not a right. problem. It's, it's a, a brain problem. problem. Brain you know, problem, right? Yeah, that's that's so interesting. One of so I have a couple uh, comments to make, and the first is when I was studying acupuncture. I worked as an orderly in an MRI at Georgetown University, and my job was to wake up really sick people in the middle of the night on the neurology wing and bring them down to the MRI. So this was back when you know only research hospitals had MRIs. And what was interesting, the other thing I did was duplicate film. So you got to look. I mean, MRI gives you a very pretty picture. So some of these people who are hospitalized for chronic pain, so they're incredibly an incredible discomfort. You'd, you'd kind of yeah. look at the MRI. Now, I'm not a radiologist, but you look at the, the, the picture, and the spine looks relatively intact. And then we get people, yeah. outpatients, you know, ambulatory, who'd walk in, and their spines would look like a train wreck like a aerial right. view of a train wreck just all over the place. Perfect. And so I'm scratching my head, you know, I'm only 20 something year old looking at it and I'm thinking the picture isn't just like you said, the picture is not telling the whole story. And there's much more to chronic pain than just what you can visualize, you know, and, and cases where the spine's actually broken, it's, it's remarkable. But the other thing like you, you also mentioned is there's not a whole lot of studies that image healthy people. There's just not money to study no, there's, there's healthy not. people. So we don't know what a, we just don't know enough about what a normal knee looks like or a normal, uh, you know, 55 year old spine looks like. So, yeah, so that's absolutely. number one, you know, that's just been my experience, uh, from early on trying to look at a deeper, well, there's, there's much more, there's much more going on here. And the second is, have you collaborated or come across, uh, an acupuncture said, wow, this is really incredible. It seems a lot like what you're doing is high-tech acupuncture. Well, you know, it is a lot like high-tech acupuncture. And I, I'm not an acupuncturist. I do I do use acupuncture quite a bit. And my dad, who, uh, who was in his career, you know, in allopathic medicine in hospital administration, is the is a vice president at the Oriental Medicine College here in Portland, Oregon, which I think is one of the oldest in the country, if I remember correctly. And um, so, you know, I have great respect for acupuncture. And when you understand the most recent neuroscience, that again, it's an aggregation of, of threat event uh, it, it, on the nervous system, anything that will help reduce the experience of threat, the offload that threat debt, or to be able to help increase the threat limit that somebody's able to have will improve a pain outcome. And that's why you see so many things that have efficacy, they have benefit, but they become, it's in some cases, it's either not consistent or it's hard to scale it 
Exactly. Or, you know, yep. um, there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of, you know, business aspects as to why drugs have become the dominant, you know, approach. And they're really e- they're, there's a replication in economics, right? Yeah, they're easy. They're easy. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, bio, biochemically, generally speaking, they, they work more or less the same in each person as they're supposed to. You know, modalities that are very clinician dependent are hard to scale because you could have, you know, one acupuncturist or one chiropractor or one physical therapist or whomever who is exceptional, and the person across the street with the same credentials may not be delivering that same quality of care. So it becomes very hard to replicate that. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, there, the, the mechanism by which the nervous system is responding is very, very similar. That, yeah, and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about is like maybe you have kind of made one of the leaps for me because the, the mechanism in acupuncture, you know, there's some vague studies all, all over the place on different mechanisms, but this seems to be one that just makes a lot of sense in terms of that. And, you know, if there's some way to, like you said, acupuncture is a, a procedure. It's not a, a drug. So it just like right. with surgery, the, the skill of the practitioner matters. And that's one of the major flaws with acupuncture studies these days. They're trying to t- eliminate the skill of the practitioner with the double blind placebo studies. And it just, it doesn't work that way. And that's what the research well, is showing. Yeah, absolutely. And the same is true with our technology. And there's been a few people, like I mentioned, I spent a few years trying to sell this technology prior to beginning Radiant. And, and you saw a very, very vast array of results, even at the Mayo Clinic and Johns Hopkins, when Mayo was doing studies, they said, oh, we realized that we got better over time is because the technicians became more expert at it. And so we, uh, we realized like consistency is the key to success. And so we've really focused on creating a clinical training protocol and ongoing treatment protocols that are replicable and that we have tiered support so that we can produce consistent results and being technology based, that certainly, that certainly helps. Um, but, you know, you know, pain is, pain is probably the most complicated problem to address because it's multifactorial, how people interpret their pain experience, how it impacts their life, even with the same diagnosis can be so vastly different. And so not only do we train our team on how to apply the technology and how to use it from a you know therapeutic standpoint, but we train them on the soft skills of communication. We train them on pain science. We train them on some levels of psychology so that we can get uh, we can get connected to the person on the right level. We also begin our process even before explaining what we do and talking about features and benefits. We, you know, we, you know, obviously kind of explain a little bit how we're different, but we get our clients. We ask them like, "What is your why? What is your definition of success?" Because sometimes when someone's been in pain for so long, they they've migrated so far away from who they really are that they've lost sight of what's important to them. They've lost sight of you know, what brings them joy and, and, you know, plugs them into feeling connected into their lives. And so we want them thinking back to those things because that becomes a catalyst for change in the body. And it, and it makes doing the level of work, whatever level of work that is, whether it's an easy path or it's a more difficult path, it makes it much more tolerable. And you're willing to do that work when you realize that you're fighting for something else. So we, you know, we model our whole business and our whole therapy um, to try to enact the best outcomes. And you know, psychological factors and emotional factors and the why all play a part of that for sure. That's so heartening to hear. One of the things I run into as an acupuncturist is I get people who are either frustrated uh, with Western medicine or have failed at traditional Western medicine. And one of the things that happens is, you know, they'll, they'll see an orthopedic, they'll, uh, you know, see a neurologist or pain clinic and 
what they're being what these clinicians are being paid for is the the procedure and so you know for Absolutely. example for a knee so they'll go back to, you know they'll still have knee pain after their knee surgery you know whether it's a meniscus or whatever it is and the doctors say well it all looks good and the surgery was performed properly there's no swelling afterwards you know i'm sorry you're still having pain but you know there's we, we did our job and the right. patients are left unheard and they they say but, but the reason i came to you was the pain not to you know not to repaint my knee not to you know clean up so the picture looks pretty and there's that frustration that builds and you're talking about this credit card debt this credit card pain frustration limit the the danger signals that build up over the years and it's it's massive and especially in the lime world so you just multiply that times 100 for somebody who's seen doctors many many of the chronic chronic Lyme patients as you may well know have seen more than a dozen sometimes two dozen different practitioners yeah. and many of them yeah. just tell them you know there's nothing wrong with you and it just yeah, you know, flies in the face of their daily experiences what do you mean nothing's wrong yeah it, it's almost offensive and and we have i have such a level of, of um, sympathy and empathy for these types of people because I, a i'm a pain sufferer i know my pain is so mild compared to so many of our clients that we see but it gives me some level of understanding but my wife went through a very complicated health journey for over a decade and you know we went to the gamut of all uh, allopathic and the gamut of alternative care and nothing really resolved her conditions until finally she went through a, a, a brain retraining process called dynamic neural retraining system dnrs and that may be something that that benefits many of your your line um, patients as they listen to this uh, is maybe something to look at as well um, but uh, you know I, I under i completely understand and so you know one of the things that we try to do in giving the first session is you know, give them some level of relief or some level of insight as to what type of relief they, they can get without any cost because they, they have been so disappointed by how they've been treated and the failed approaches they've pursued. But we also want to educate them and we want to empower them. And that's when, when somebody becomes educated and they realize it's not all in my head in the sense that it's made up or it's, you know, it's, you know, some sort of, you know, psychological condition, but there's a neurogenic aspect or there's a, it is in the brain, but it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not um, psychosomatic. I mean, right. it's a real experience for sure. And why that's happening. So for example, I'll give you, I'll give you my story. So I have low back pain. I was diagnosed with, uh, arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis that, you know, nobody could exactly know, but I have, I have even since my teens, I'm 41 years old, uh, pain in my low back. And so I grew up with chiropractic care. My uncle was a chiropractor and I would get regular adjustments and enjoy getting adjustments. And so I would go in and get adjustments. And then into my twenties, I moved away from my uncle and you know, sought out other chiropractors and, you know, had treatment done. And, you know, they say, well, it looks like you, maybe you have some scoliosis. We just need to keep adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. And it feels good. It's great. It's non-invasive. And I'm happy to pursue it. But it didn't resolve the pain long term. Um, then, you know, I talked to an orthopedist. The orthopedist would say, well, it looks like maybe you're getting some scoliosis or something here. What we should probably do is, you know, operate, maybe put in some rods, keep that, that spine nice and straight so it doesn't progress and it doesn't get worse. I didn't pursue that. That seemed way too too invasive and unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. You go to the pain doctor, you know, the, the allopathic pain physician, and he or she will say, yeah, something's going on here. Um, probably what we need to do is give you some opioids, just keep the pain under control, we'll give you some injections, you know, and, it, you know, by the way, let me just caveat that there is now scientific evidence, medical studies that show 
that cortisone injections, steroid injections, actually accelerate the degeneration of the tissue. So they're making people worse long term, even if they're giving them, in some cases, short, you know, short term relief. So right. anyway, so th- that's their approach. And then if that doesn't work, then it's okay. Let's go in and let's you know let's cut the spine open. Let's do some other things. Let's give you a spinal cord stimulus. I mean, it becomes more and more and more invasive, right? So now our our understanding of the brain's problem. A, through our therapy, you know, my pain got worse and worse as I got older and as stress happened and as, you know, probably my, my overall physical health, you know, didn't, I wasn't maintaining it just because of my busy life. I now, I now do. Um, but my pain got worse and I developed sciatica pain down my right leg and into my groin that was very, very uncomfortable. So finally, after starting Radiant and, you know, as we grew and I had a little bit of capacity in the schedule, I said, I need to get treated. I need to go through this experience. I need to get my pain gone and I need to see what our clients experience. So, I got treated, and it's been two years since my sciatica pain has returned, which is lovely because that was the the worst of it. And my mechanical pain in my low back has been much more controlled because you know I've been educated about pain. I exercise daily. I keep on top of you know of that. And I think too many people, when they get a diagnosis of something, that becomes their reality, and they think, oh, I can't move. I shouldn't move because I'm going to make it worse. But in reality, the body is made to move. And when we limit movement, we're actually probably making it worse. Okay, so why do I have this low back pain? I'm a healthy person. And why did I develop it in my teens? Well, when we understand, and we do assessments in our clinic, some basic assessments and some basic drills to help identify these types of things. But again, it's a neurologic condition. So here's some assessments. And really, from my own experience, this is pretty clear. My right eye doesn't doesn't stay focused like my left eye does. It, I see just fine with it. If I close my left eye, I can see just fine. In fact, I just got new contacts and I see better for my right eye than my left eye. But for whatever reason, it's a little less engaged. And so because of that, my nervous system, which wants to keep me safe, it, you know, again, that's not, it's not telling me this. It's just making the adaptation by itself. But it's saying, you know, if, if there's a threat in your environment, Brendan, you are more vulnerable from your right side because your right eye is not playing ball like it's supposed to. It's not plugged in and paying attention. So we're going to keep you safe by just creating a very subtle adjustment in your physiology. We're going to tilt your head slightly to the right so that your left eye is positioned to be able to scan your landscape and see what's happening in your environment to keep you safer. So it does that. Well, okay, so my ne- my head is now tilted slightly to, to the right and my left eye is positioned to be a little bit more dominant so subtly that I don't ever really notice it. But that subtle adjustment creates adaptation and adjustment throughout the spine so that I can keep walking forward and not walking and veering to the right. And I remember at like 24 years old, my younger sister going, you know, completing massage therapy school and becoming an instructor at the massage therapy school, getting something called structural integration therapy done through her, which is like rolfing. It's a pretty intense, uncomfortable type of massage. It's not a, (laughs) you know, it's not a, you're not laying there in a bliss. I mean, it's pretty painful. And she was commenting this at, at, at this point at 24 years old. Well, why are your hips pivoting the way that they're so pivoting? off? And, right. You know, that yep. ties into all this. And so we now realize, okay, it's not because my physiologist wants to correct. My body is trying to adapt because my nervous system wants to keep me safe. And so realizing that it's my right eye that's kind of the culprit, we can do assessments, we can do drills, we can strengthen that right eye. We can plug it back in and all of a sudden the physiology, of course, corrects itself because it's not having to make that adaptation to keep me safe. It's really, I mean, really, really remarkable things that nobody really, I think, delves into too much. We just want to address the symptom and, you know, cut the person open or give them a med and get them out of the office, you know. You know, that brings up so many interesting points in my practice. Now, I'm familiar with kind of eye retraining for people with concussions, right? 
but I never thought about it just as normal progression. Because some people will get on the treatment table and lie down, and you can just see they're crooked. Their head's off one way, their shoulders are another, and it's all, like you said, trying to compensate. They don't lie straight on the table. They just can't find center. They've lost center. And I never thought of that as visual. I just always thought of that as structural, but that makes, that makes so much sense. And there are those that very well could be visual or vestibular or, you know, a combination of those things. And and if there's been some level of dysfunction or an injury or a childhood illness or ear infection, I mean, any of those things could be contributory factors as to why it's presenting now as an adult. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it really ties together a lot of things. And that's another path to look at who, so in terms of those eye exercise, I know this is kind of a complete aside here, but what, do you have anything that you recommend or do your clinic, does your clinic do that? Or is that something separate? We do a basic level there. There's a company um, that we've put our, our team through their training protocols to their initial, it's called essentials courses. Um, it's, it's a company based in Phoenix. They train professionals, PTs, and uh, I think any anybody can go to them. I think their sweet spot and where their most of their work is with personal trainers because the personal trainers have a much more frequent touch with clients. Yeah. Uh, but basically, they were they looked at all the emerging. The, the company is called Z Health, and you know I'd recommend any any professional listening check them out. I don't know if they offer courses to the to the layperson or not, but we put all of our team through their essentials, and and we've kind of uh, created some custom training based upon some of the methodologies that they've instructed. So they looked at all the emerging neuroscience of pain. They thought this is really interesting. How do we how do we bring this forward in a way that's going to make an impact? And so they put together these training curriculum um, for professionals um, that help identify these neurologic deficiencies that cause dysfunction in in you know in movement or dysfunction in in terms of pain or some sort of sensory mismatch that takes place. And in that, you know, the, the body again, it wants to keep us safe. So if we take the analogy of like phantom pain, this has baffled people probably from the time of, you know, the, the, the dawn of man. Like, why, why does this part of my body that no longer exists, why does it hurt? Right. Why do I feel it? And, and it's because, again, the body wants, the nervous system wants to keep us safe and alive. And so it's always gathering information. You know, our proprioceptive systems, our vision, the vestibular systems are always working so that we can stay safe in our environment. And so when a part of the body is missing, it's not because those nerves have been cut. It's because the, the body is has a proprioceptive map. It, it knows its orientation in space, or at least it should. And so w- when it's not getting information transmitted to it, it goes, hey, human, something's not right. I have, I have an inability to keep you as safe as I want to because the information that I'm used to getting from this part of your body is not coming in. I need you to take action. And so what, what will get us to take action more than anything else is discomfort. Like, oh, like something's not right here. I need to figure this out. And that's why things like like you probably heard of and maybe some of your listeners about like mirror therapy, when someone's had an amputation and they hold a mirror up and they let's, let's say their right hand is missing. And so they hold a the mirror up to their left hand and it looks like from their, you know, as their brain sees that they can see their right hand and so they can touch it, they can move it. And then it gives their brain some level of information to say, oh, okay, I guess I am safe. And the, oftentimes the phantom pain can start to resolve in that, in that way. So it's, again, when you understand the neurology, when you understand the neuroscience of pain, masking it with a drug seems like one of the stupidest things you could do. And again, going back to the credit card analogy, it's kind of like, well, if I have a lot of credit card debt and I drink a six pack of beer, I'm going to care a little bit less about my credit card debt in the short term, but I sure as heck haven't done anything to resolve it. 
I'm laughing here. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Though. Well, we'll get, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have people come in the clinic too. They'll, they'll talk about different meds there and say, you know, th they said the meds not really helping me, you know, it just makes me kind of fuzzy headed and um, able to deal with the pain a little bit more, but it really hasn't touched my pain. You hear that so often. Totally. So, you know? yeah. Now, as we wrap up here, will you walk me through just the nuts and bolts of what's the experience like for a patient? You know, they come in the room, where are you putting the electrodes? What, you know, what's it like? Yeah. So again, um, you know, the experience begins before they even come in. It, it's some of the process in which we're asking them questions and getting them to anchor back, back into who they want to be and why they, why they need to resolve their pain now. Then when they come in, we spend about an hour with them. Uh, again, kind of getting deeper into that, we take a pretty detailed assessment of their history so that we can understand what are some contributory factors that may be causing pain to be manifesting now as an, you know typically adult, although we do see children. Then, um, then we explain our therapy, um, answer questions, make sure they're educated about that. And that process alone, I can tell you, McKay is very empowering because, as we talked about a minute ago, they've been diminished. They've been they've been left baffled and they've turned to professionals who have left them disappointed. And so when all of a sudden they get educated about these things, they like you can see the spark light back in their heart, in their eyes a little bit. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm not crazy. Like this is a reason why my body is acting the way it is and why I still have felt betrayed by my body and trapped in this body. And maybe there's hope that I'm not going to have to live this way anymore. And so that that right there is just a beautiful thing to, to witness. And you see people start to regain hope. We then take them into the treatment room, and essentially, again, we identify the areas of the body that are painful areas, and, um, you know, there's a bit of an art to that application, but we attach electrodes on the skin. They look like little EKG leads in proximity to the painful area. Our centers are set up only for this therapy, so they're very comfortable. You know, it's not a sterile medical environment. It's much more spa-like. They sit in a very comfortable recliner. In fact, I'm sitting in one right now in one of our clinics in Portland. And, um, and, and, and once we have the leads placed, they, they can just essentially relax for about 40 minutes. It's about an hour, you know, an hour time in terms of undressing and getting into a gown or changing if they need to, depending on where the pain is. And then they sit there. And first time, we'll, we'll typically have our technicians sit in there with them just to explain the process, make sure they're comfortable. Because it, it is dynamic. And sometimes there's some adjustments that need to take place in terms of how those leads are placed. And, and does it hurt? We, does it tingle? What does it feel like? Um, there's definitely sensation. You know, the technology itself was predicated on a TENS unit when it was taken through the FDA. And that's caused part of its stagnation in terms of market understanding because TENS has been around forever. Right. It's very different than a TENS unit. But the sensation is not, you know, not totally unlike a TENS unit. There's kind of stimulation. There's kind of vibratory kind of sensation. But it's much more mild. You know, a TENS unit, sometimes you'll crank it up and you'll see the muscles twitch and the, you know, the leg jolt or whatever. We don't want that. It's much more of a gentle experience. But because of the messaging being dynamic and changing, the sensation changes and, and, you know, clients experience that. And the first time it can be a little bit different. And so we walk them through it. But once they get it, I mean, we'll have people that will just, you know, chill out. They'll relax. They'll read. And they, they walk out of the clinic literally like light and, you know, <laughs> and just like a different person. It's pretty. And that happens almost almost all the time in the first session. But if not, certainly in the in the series of initial treatment sessions over the first few weeks to a really profound way. It's, it's pretty neat. Awesome. Thanks for explaining that and letting everybody know. And also, why don't you let us know where where is your clinic right now? And if you have more than one, please let us know about that websites how can people get in touch with you 
Thank you. Yeah, well, we have two centers in Portland. Um, we've just filed with the Security and Exchange Commission with the SEC to begin a robust um, investment campaign, which is essentially is crowdfunding on steroids. Anybody can invest. You don't have to be an accredited investor as little as $500 if this excites you and you want to help make the world a little bit better place and get people off of the opioid and you want to participate, we would love you to do that. I mean, we think this is the people solution and um, not some sort of you know big industry solution, but but one that will be driven by the people. So we wanted to create an investment uh, and ownership opportunity for the average person out there. So if you're interested in that, if you're, if you're a clinician, you're interested in trying to understand how can you integrate this therapy, we're not selling the, the devices. Our model will be to build clinics, but to do it in partnership with local clinicians. You know, for for example, you as an acupuncturist in New York, you and you know, some of your your colleagues there could co-own with us in a center, refer clients to us when it makes sense. But you get to keep doing what you're expert at and what you do day in and day out. We'll handle the rest in terms of the you know the radiant therapy. Um, and so, if you're a clinician, you're interested in that. If you're a pain sufferer, if you care for somebody who's a pain sufferer, you just want to follow our story. Any of those things, go to radiantrelief.com. If you're interested in the book, you can find out how to get linked to, to buy that on Amazon. Um, yeah, radiantrelief.com and let us know how we can serve you and start a conversation. Awesome. Brendan, thank you so much for your time. It's been an eye-opening interview with you. I've learned a lot and I'm excited to see where this goes and to hear reports from people who've used your technology to get rid of some of this chronic pain. Thank you, McKay. Appreciate it. And on, our, on the website, just on that note, we don't use any stock imagery. It's all actual clients whose lives have been restored back to level of normalcy and function. And we have really remarkable stories. And so hope to keep growing those and uh, make the world a little bit of a better place because of it. This was a really great interview. You know, as soon as he said... Okay, do you know, chronic pain's kind of like credit card debt. That's when my ears kind of perked up and I was like, wait a second, this guy has something new to say, some kind of new take on how to understand chronic pain. And that was really interesting to me. It reminded me of the spoons conversation with energy. Yes. And, and using your spoons up. Yeah, it's a nice way of understanding kind of what's going on in the background there. That's why we do Lime Ninja Radio, to bring you new and interesting things, hopefully provide you with some inspiration, some new knowledge, something that you can grab hold of to pull yourself out of the depths of Lyme disease. Often the first thing to turn around is your attitude and your belief that this will get better. Maybe this will help. Hope is a powerful, powerful drug. Let's leave it at that. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. If you really like what we're doing, leave us a review on your podcast app. And a big shout out to all our patrons. Thanks for making the world a better place for people with Lyme and other tick-borne diseases. You make this podcast happen. Yes. Thank you so much. And if you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, really anything, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We read them all, send them, keep them coming. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know ninjas don't blink? Reality pauses. <laughs>
Lyme Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lyme Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lyme Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lyme Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.